And some Wednesday nights, um, you can come in and you can feel good. You can just be ready to be at church. And I mean, I hope we always are ready to be at church. Um, then other nights, obviously, you can just be tired and worn out. And um, we've all heard the scripture before. It's Isaiah forty thirty one, saying, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Um, and just as I was praying, I just thought of that scripture. And I wonder if we could just not force in anything, if we could just wait on God right now, if we could just clear our minds and our spirits of everything and just wait on him and let his word and let his spirit just give us strength, renew our strength and in our minds and our bodies that we could be focused on him and what he wants to do tonight. Lord, I wait on you. God, I receive your strength tonight. I receive your rest, God. Every care, every thought of the day, I release it to you, Lord. Lord, with no worries, but simply yielding to you, to what you want to do in this place. Lord, I pray, let your spirit come upon us tonight. Jesus, let your spirit flow in this place tonight. Man, if we could all just lift our hands across this place and just receive of him right now. Lord, I receive it. God, I can't do it on my own. The distractions are too many, but God, by your spirit, I receive of your strength. I receive of your word tonight in this place. God, that you would speak. Man, it's not about a feeling. It's about his spirit flowing into us. It's about the strength and the healing virtue of God flowing into us. Lord, I receive of your peace right now. Man, can we begin to just praise him and exalt him, worship him for the things he's done, for his tender mercies that are new every morning. God, I thank you. I praise you in this place tonight. God, I don't deserve of this strength. I don't deserve of this rest, but you provide. Lord, I thank you. I exalt you, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Praise God. I feel the presence of the Lord. 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like us to pray together for Pete and Brittany Heron right now. Could we do that? Would you agree with me? In Jesus' name. Lord, we agree together and ask you to minister. We pray for our sister. We pray for Pete tonight. I pray your ministry to his body. I pray your ministry to his mind. I pray your ministry to his spirit. The full and complete work, Father. The full and complete work of Calvary reaching to him and working in his life. I pray the peace of God surrounding Sister Brittany tonight. The strength of the Holy Ghost ministering to her. I pray the will of God through all of this season. You are at work. We know that you are at work and we trust in your work. I pray the will of God in their lives, the work of God. I pray the strength of the body extended to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God, praise God. Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. On this beautiful Wednesday night, I think it is. I hope so. And uh, we're glad you're here. Um, let me say, um, Sister Schoonover mentioned just before service that uh, Bishop and Brother Mike Gonzalez, Brother Mark Kendrick have made it to Taiwan. And uh, so that means they're about two and a half hours from Manila. And then um, the, Brother Curtis Johnstone and I and Brother Nathan Heiner We'll head out at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so so if you see me take off right after service, I'm not avoiding you. I'm heading to Seattle for catching a plane. Um, please be prayerful about this time. I know that you are. We mentioned it to you Sunday. We're believing the Holy Ghost to do great things there in the Philippines. Uh, we'll be in Manila a day or two. Then we'll be in near Clark Air Force Base for a day with, uh, I think there's seven different churches that we're going to sort of be spread through around the Clark Air Force Base area on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, and I think maybe part of Wednesday, but for sure Monday, Tuesday, uh, we have sessions scheduled from 9 in the morning till 9 or 10 at night um, in Baguio, which city just a little bit further north. So a full schedule. Um, and we cannot do it in our own efforts and ability. We're trusting and depending on the work of the Spirit of God. He knows what's needful. And uh, so just would you please, uh, and I know you will, so I'm just encouraging you, pray with us. Uh, pray the will of the Lord be done. Pray for the people whose names we don't know yet. But what the Lord will do there, we're just believing for great things. Um, I was telling Brother Flowers just before service, I said, you know, this is the first time I've I've made a trip like this that I'm going with. I have no expectation or anticipation. Um, the first time that I remember, that doesn't mean I'm like not expecting anything. You understand? Um, oftentimes, I've gone with uh, I don't know some ex 
expectation or anticipation, feeling some things going into it, feeling certain. Um, I was telling him, I said, I feel as empty as probably I've felt in a long, long time. And so I'm just believing. And he said, it, he said, I'm just praying. I'm believing God's just going to do exactly means he's going to show up. And I do believe that. I believe God's going to have his way. And um, I hope you know when we ask you to pray, it is not... Um, it is not a courtesy request. Does that make sense? We covet your prayer. We believe your prayer makes a difference. I know your prayer makes a difference. And so the invitation of you to pray is not one of, well, that's what we're supposed to do. We need your prayer. Your prayer covering is vital. And so uh, would you just purpose to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? If the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night, we're 15 hours ahead. You might just be right in tune with where we are. Uh, I mean that. I'm being serious. Uh, so please don't just roll over. Uh, I believe you are people filled with the Spirit of God, and the Lord can wake you and quicken you to a place of prayer. Your involvement is just as critical as any one of us that's making the trip. I'm going to say that again. Your involvement is just as critical as anybody making the trip. Your prayer is critical. Your waiting on the Lord and covering is critical. I hope you know that. Amen. So praise God. We're looking forward to it. Remember all of our beautiful kids that are at camp this week. And uh, the craft lady, I'm calling her, the, I'm going to keep calling her the craft lady. I know she'll love that. Uh, Sister Loren Flowers is there at uh, camp as well. Uh, and she's done this for a few years. She coordinates crafts and plans all the crafts for all the kids that come and go. And so um, I'm going to make her a shirt or something. Have a little fun at her expense. Amen. Appreciate her giving herself to that. Amen. Praise God. So people are coming and going and the body of Christ is working in the earth. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you'd like to tonight. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians with me, if you could, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I, um, you know, the scripture says that the Lord sets members in the body as it pleases him. We've all heard that. We've taught about that before here. He doesn't set members in the body as it pleases the member. That's important. He doesn't set members in the body as it pleases the member. He sets members in the body as it pleases him. And if you look at that, where the scripture says that, what that literally is translating is saying, the Lord's doing what pleases his purpose. 
And so the Lord knows your frame and my frame. He knows who we are. He knows how we're made up because it's him that's made us. And so when he sets us in the body, wherever he chooses to do so, he does it in a way that pleases him. Now, let me tell you a device that the enemy uses against the body. The enemy uses this device. We've talked about it before. We might get to 1 Corinthians 1. We'll see. The enemy uses this device called comparison or measurement, where we would compare against someone else in the body. I think it was Paul that said, they that measure themselves amongst themselves are not wise. Why is that? Because the moment that I begin to measure myself against someone, if that's my barometer for my relationship with God, if measuring among others is my barometer, then it means I'm not really looking to him, I'm looking to others. And I don't know you, but I know me, and I know you're human like I am, so you have human nature like I do. And when I measure myself against someone else, it doesn't take long. Who do I start measuring myself against? Depends on what I want to feel, right? If I want to feel really good about myself, who do I measure myself against? I start trying to look for somebody's faults, and I'll measure against their faults, and I'll be completely blind to my own, right, because I'm comparing. Well, you know, at least I don't wear black shoes on a Wednesday night like Brother Flowers does. I'll find, our human nature will find something. And so then I'll just start, I'll start feeding the voice of pride in my life. But if I'm giving room to the voice of condemnation, then what I'll do is, I'll use the same example, okay? If I'm feeding the voice of condemnation, what I'll do is I'll say, man, I knew I should have wore black shoes on a Wednesday night. I, I just always seem to miss it. I just, I fall short. I just, measuring amongst ourselves is not wise. Ever. Ever. I'm not talking about seeing someone with a walk with God and going, you know what? I see things in their life that I want to aspire to in my relationship with God. You understand? I'm not talking about that. See someone with a prayer life. Say, you know what? That convicts my heart. I want to, I want to get around them and learn about I want to learn to pray the way I hear them pray. I want to get a relationship with God like I... You understand? I'm not talking about that. God places us in the body where it pleases him. And so what I have to do is I have to learn in my pursuit of God and understanding my role and responsibility in the body. I have to say, okay, Lord, you've placed me. So help me to fulfill my calling where you've placed me. Help me to walk in the calling of God that you've placed me in. And then comes fulfillment. My mind goes to the book of Acts chapter number six. Acts chapter 6, we see an interesting story. We may come back to 1 Corinthians 1, I think, but maybe go to Acts 6 right now, verse 1. 
we see an interesting story. It says that there's this murmuring that arose. Well, we better start at the beginning. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. What was this murmuring about? It was a big deal. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, that sounds all King James, of course. Stay on verse 1 for just a minute, please, Brother Jeremiah. Thank you. So the Grecians and Hebrews are both part of the church. If we're reading up to, we understand. Grecians and Hebrews, these are just different people in the church. Grecians are Gentiles. Hebrews are Jews. But we know, of course, from the word of God that if any man be in Christ, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. And so we got the Grecians and the Hebrews in the church. They've got these little sects going on. And the daily ministration, just daily service to widows in the church, the Grecians felt like, you know what, we've got widows that aren't receiving that daily attention that they should be receiving. And so that circumstance brought about a murmuring. You know what murmuring is, right? I just can't believe they're not. Oh, no, I don't want you all to hear. I want to talk to a sympathizer. Right? Murmuring. You know what that does, of course, is murmuring brings disunity in the body. And so this is what happened. It wasn't a big thing until murmuring started. Murmuring makes a small thing a big thing because murmuring begins to bring division. And so that's what happened. This murmuring starts taking place. In the, and it's interesting if you read up to this point, you see people being thousands being added to the church daily. I mean, in chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira had lied about what they gave, and the Holy Ghost struck them dead. Great fear came upon the church, and so there's this great work of the Holy Ghost that's happening. But we get to chapter 6, and, you know, sort of got back into routine. And verse 2. So what did they do? The 12 apostles called the multitude of disciples unto them, said it's not reason we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, talking to the disciples, they called to them, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. They weren't saying that what was being brought up didn't matter. They were just saying we need to get someone to take care of this and to minister to it. But it's not a reason for murmuring. Don't let it be, become contentious or divisive. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, were the apostles setting themselves above others and saying, you know, we're better than you all. We're not going to take care of this. We need to get somebody to take care of this because we're better. Of course not. There were different giftings and callings in the body that were operating. And so the apostles were operating in their calling and saying, hey, you know what? We recognize that there's a need here. We can't be everything in the church we've got to stay true to our calling what god's put on clearly god has put men and women in the body that can serve this need so we need to find the men and women in the body that that have this ministry in their life and that's what they did 
They called them together and said, hey, it's interesting to me. They said, look among yourselves and find some people that we can appoint over this matter. And they just gave them some criteria. They need to be full of the Holy Ghost. They need to be full of wisdom. And they need to have a good report. All right, so go figure that out. I mean, can you picture that happening? We make it this real reading through the scriptures. And then they said, this is what we're going to do. Verse 5. And so the saying pleased the whole multitude. There was agreement. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, of the Holy Ghost, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, named them all, the people. They, verse 6. So they chose these men. They set them before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Verse number 7, watch. The word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. All of that happened because when this thing of comparing came up between the Grecians and the Hebrews about who was getting the service they should or shouldn't, there were some people that began to walk in their calling and minister to the need. The the apostles were able to continue to minister in their calling, which was giving themselves continually to prayer and the word. And the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. Now watch verse 8. And Stephen, who's Stephen? Was Stephen one of the apostles? No. Who's Stephen? Well, in this context, Stephen was one of the table servers. Right? Because that's what they were looking for, whom we can have serve tables. Stephen was one of the table servers. He was full of faith and power. He did... Whoa, hold on a minute here. Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. That doesn't sound like table serving to me, Brother Rosario. Stephen's doing great wonders and miracles? I thought that was like reserved for the apostles. No, 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 no. Acts 1 and 8, right? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. He's full of faith and power. What is he doing? He's being a witness unto the Lord while he's serving tables. He's walking in his calling. Now, if Stephen fell into the trap of beginning to measure and compare, he would say, here's what he would say. I'm going to put words in Stephen's mouth. Is that all right? If he were measuring and comparing, he would say, you know what? I've done a few miracles. The Lord's used me to do wonders among the people. I think it's time that I move from table server to something different. I need a title around here. I mean, I've proven that I deserve a title. Look at, well, we already see the wrong thinking there, right? Because he didn't do any of it. He was simply a vessel available to God. Why did God flow through him that way? You know what I believe? He was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, full of power. Yes, but he was also where he was supposed to be in the body. And so the Spirit of the Lord was flowing where he'd placed him because it was where he was supposed to be. I 
our humanity, our humanity wrestles going, well, if I'm, God forbid we would use this word, but if I'm performing at this level, then I should be this or that. I believe with all of my heart, if Stephen would have said, you know what, I think uh, I need to do this or I need, he would have stepped out of the flow of ministry that he was operating in because he was in the place in the body where he was supposed to be. I have witnessed in my life men and women mightily used of God in a great way. And then for whatever reason, it seemed like, well, because God's using me, then I'm supposed to be this now. This validates God using me, so I'm supposed to become this now. And so it's great. I've proven myself. And they weren't necessarily responding to the calling of God. They were responding to the expectations of men that this is, well, because I'm operating this way, this means I'm supposed to be this. Does that make sense? I'll just be really plain, okay? I've watched men and women who have felt like because God is using them in such a great way that they, this must mean I'm supposed to go somewhere and pastor. And so they'll move to a city to try to start something and wonder what happened to the flow that I felt and what happened to the spirit that I operated in so freely. I'm not saying that about everybody, you understand? But we've got to recognize where has God placed us and where is their flow in the body and then letting God use us where he places us. Now, 1 Corinthians 1. I didn't plan on any of that stuff. It's important. There's so many of you we know God has placed you. You know that. And you have to have a confidence that he's placed you. And allowing the flow and the operation of the ministry of the Spirit of God in and with you. We've witnessed it. It's a beautiful thing. We've watched it in home groups. We've watched it in Bible studies here. We've watched it on Sundays. We've watched it in different venues. It's a beautiful thing to see that flow of ministry through the body of Christ when we're where he's placed us. 1 Corinthians 1 and 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, I can't even say that, Sosthenes, our brother. Paul was, look at that second word, he was called. He was called to be an apostle. Was that his design? No, we see in Scripture whose design that was. He was called to be an apostle through the will of God. The calling was the will of God. It's what God had designed for his life. And we hear that word calling, and I don't know where your mind goes. I know where mine went when I was younger. Calling always meant there's some man or woman that's called to stand and hold a microphone. I don't know if anybody else ever remember that growing up in church. brother. Okay. Right? That was, if they were called, that meant they were called to stand in front of people and hold the microphone. And there's that calling on some. Paul was called to be an apostle, but watch verse 2. Unto, he's writing this letter, right? And first he's telling them, acknowledging what God's call on his life is, but not just verse 2. This is who I'm writing to. I'm writing to the church of God, which is at Corinth, Corinthians, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
Oh, look at that word. Called to be saints. Oh, you mean to be a saint is a calling? I thought a saint was just some responsibility. I meant like, you know, if I go to church and I do this and I cross a couple things off the list, then I'm a saint. Oh, no, no, no. To be a saint is a calling. There's a calling of God on lives to be a saint. What is a saint? We've been talking about this a little bit the last few weeks. What is a saint? A saint is someone that is separated and set apart unto God. That's what the word means in the Greek if you ever just want to go digging. A saint is someone that's called to be separated and set apart unto God. And Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. And the first thing he's dealing with them about is calling. Calling. And we're going to read a little bit further. This isn't just a, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of this. I don't know about you. When I read the letters that Paul's written, I'm guilty of reading the first couple of verses and just getting past those. Let's get to what he wants to say. Anybody else? Right. I've read this before. Maybe it wasn't in first Corinthians, but I read it in Romans. He started it that way. And I read it over here in Thessalonians. He started it that way. And we we don't realize, hold on, there's something. Every word of God matters. And he's writing carefully under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to the church at Corinth. And he started in the first two verses talking about calling. I'm called through the will of God to be an apostle. And I'm writing to you the church of God and you're called to be saints. You're called to be set apart unto God. You're called to a life of consecration unto God. This is a calling on your life as a saint. You and I have to recognize if we're serving the living God and giving our life to him, we're responding to a calling of God. We didn't just have this idea that, you know what, I'm going to try to be a good person. I think I'll start going to church. I mean, some do. That's religious tradition. But we're called of God. He's calling you. He's calling me to be separated and set apart unto him for his purpose above everything else. And then anything else in my life is secondary. My primary calling is to his purpose. So he's telling the church, you're called to be saints. Not just you, but all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 3. Grace be to you, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf. For the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Notice this. By the way, verses 1 through 8 are one sentence. So we're going to read this one sentence. Verse 5. This is what he's thanking God for. And for the grace of God that's given them. This is why. This is why the grace of God is given the called saints. That in everything... You are enriched by him. Notice this. In all what? All what? Is he talking to called preachers here? Maybe. But he's talking to the called, separated, set apart, consecrated unto God, saints. I thank God on your behalf. For the grace of God that's in you, what's the grace of God about? It's that in everything you're enriched by him 
and in all utterance. Oh, the called ones should have utterance that flows from the grace of God. Yeah. Oh, so utterance isn't just about the one holding the microphone. Right? Because utterance is to speak out. And Paul is saying, I'm thanking God that in all utterance and in all knowledge. Go ahead, verse 6. You're enriched. Enriched. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing, and you can read a little further here. We won't read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, don't worry. You can read it. But he's addressing something in Corinth where he's trying to help the body understand, hey, what you're walking in here, this isn't some religious tradition that's replacing something you were in and you found something better. You are called of God. God's calling is on your life and his calling is with purpose. And when he endues you with the spirit of grace, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of grace. When he gives you grace, it's so that you are enriched in him and you're enriched in your utterance and you're enriched in knowledge. And don't think for a minute that you come behind in any gift by comparing yourself to somebody else. When you're called of God, the gift that comes is what the gift that's needed. He gives the giftings. If you were to take if we were to take the time to read through this and look at how he's trying to address the church at Corinth, he's trying to help them understand their calling and that they have gifting. And hey, you're not behind anybody in gifting. The gifting that's on your life is designed of God. If you think you're behind, it's because you're probably comparing to somebody else. Don't do that. Walk in the calling that's on your life and trust that the gifting of God for the calling of God will come together. Many giftings, but there's only one spirit, the scripture tells us. They come from him. You come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Watch this, verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. God is faithful. By whom you were what? Called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. By whom you were called. I'd never realized until this morning how much the Apostle Paul was dealing with and addressing the calling on the saints in 1 Corinthians 1. And if you were to read this, and we didn't take the time, I'm not, we could probably take two hours to go through all the different Greek stuff and all the different things if you look back. Here's the deal the Apostle Paul was addressing. Something in the Corinthian church where they were struggling with where they were in the body. And coming to grips with, 
hey, you really are called of God. and You're not behind in any gift. If you look at the tone with which he's writing, he said, you're not behind anybody in any gifting. The calling that's on you, it's not something some man-appointed deal. This is a God-called thing that's brought you to this place in the church in Corinth. And you're going to have things to say. And God's given you grace that you're going to have utterance that's going to come from him. He's going to give you knowledge that's going to come from him. This isn't something you and I are going to produce Here's the challenge when God's calling comes in our life. He brings us into the body. We're going, okay, so what comes next? What do I do next? What am I supposed to do now? What's my place now? And I'm as guilty as anybody. Our human nature kicks in. And Abraham's as guilty as anybody. Our human nature kicks in. When God starts dealing with our heart and pulling us, we go, okay, how can I make this happen? What can I do to fulfill the calling of God on my life? You ever felt that way? I'll tell you what you can do. You can abide in him. Let him abide in you. And that's what Paul's addressing with the church in Corinth. He's saying, hey, the grace of God, it's going to enrich you in all utterance. The grace of God is going to enrich you in all knowledge. You're not going to produce that in your own effort and ability. Paul wasn't taking away from studying the word of God. He told Timothy as a young man, you need to study to show yourself approved, but not to men. You're studying the word of God so you can show yourself approved unto God. Very easy to cross the other way. I want to prove to men my ability in study. But the Apostle Paul was telling the church at Corinth, look, there's a calling on your life. And the fulfillment of that calling is going to come from the grace of God that enriches you. That's what brings it to pass. One of the hardest things sometimes to live with is a calling that you're waiting to be fulfilled. Hard, not because God makes it hard, but because humanity can get in the way if I don't get my flesh crucified. All right. I want to jump down. We could read verses 10 all the way through 16. We're not going to read those. He talks about division in the body. They're comparing and divisions coming in. Some saying they got baptized this way. So isn't that an interesting? So he's trying to deal with their calling. Um, Verse 17. And I'll finish here. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul had knowledge. He was well learned. But he understood what he was teaching to the church at Corinth. The utterance has to come from his grace. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, didn't know God. It pleased God, by the foolishness of preaching, 
to save them that believe. Verse 22, for the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. It's the same group that we read about in Acts 6, the Jews and the Greeks, the Grecians and the Hebrews. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block to the Greeks, foolishness. But unto watch this. But unto them which are what? To them which are called. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He was addressing Jews and Greeks in those verses before that were not called or hadn't responded yet to the call. But now he's saying once they've responded and recognizing there's a calling of God on your life, a calling to his service, a separating, a called out saint of God. It's not foolishness, it's wisdom, and it's the power of God. The cross is that to somebody that's called. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26. He's really starting to sound like a broken record. For you see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are what? Are called. Verse 27. But God. Please hear this tonight. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world, to confound the things which are mighty, verse 28, and base things of the world and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why did God do it this way? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. What did he just say in those last four verses? He's been dealing with the same element from the beginning all the way to the end of this first chapter. He's dealing with how the Corinthian church sees themselves in relationship to God. And recognizing that they are called of God. He's addressing this and addressing where the source of ministry through their lives will come from. And when he's getting here to the end, he's his writing under the inspiration of the Lord. He's saying God's chosen the foolish to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak to confound the mighty. Who's the foolish and the weak that he's talking about? The called. Who's the foolish and the weak? The Corinthian church. Is he cutting them down with his words? No, he's addressing how they view themselves and their inability to recognize God called you, so he's going to use you. He chose you. He didn't choose you because you had it all together and were perfect and everything was in order. And so somebody would be really impressed when you showed up. No, God said, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to look for the person that doesn't have. 
No, I'm not finished. I'm going to look for the people that don't have it all together. I'm going to look for the ones who see themselves as not wise. I'm going to look for the ones who see how weak they really are. And I'm going to take the foolish. I'm going to take the weak. I'm going to call them to myself. I'm going to set them apart to myself. And I'm going to give them grace to use them in a way that it confounds the wise. That it confounds the mighty. They can't put their head around it. Human reasoning can't figure it out. How is it this guy that used to be a drug addict and a gang member and lived on the streets and spent half of his life in prison is now being used of God to teach a class that's turning lives around? How is it that a couple that ran away from home when they were just kids and one born in prison. How is it now that they're responsible for teaching Bible studies in multiple homes and reaching into lives? And God, how is God doing that? What in the world? It's the plan of God. He chose the foolish to confound the wise. And Paul is trying to help the Corinthian church understand. You are not just here by your personal selection. Matter of fact, you're not here by personal selection at all. You're here by God's selection. He has called you. He knows your frame. He knows your weakness. He knows my inabilities. He knows my shortcomings. And he chose me in spite of all of that. Why would he use weak and foolish and despised individuals to do the work of the kingdom so that no flesh should glory in his presence what does that mean that means when God does great and mighty things through our lives we're not fooling anybody I know where I came from I know what I'm not, but I know who he is. And so the idea is he gets not the idea, the plan and the purpose of God is he gets all the glory. Not many wise, not many noble. He didn't say none. Just not many. Why? Because the wise and noble would begin to think they did this. And so the Lord said, and so Paul is telling the Corinthian church, hey, there's a calling on your life. God's given you grace to fulfill it. Don't write yourself off. You're not coming behind in any gift. You see in that now that scripture making a little sense. You're not coming behind in any gift. You're not less than somebody else. God chose you knowing exactly who you are. He's going to use you as you yield to him and you respond to the calling of God on your life. Just stand with me. He wrote these words to Timothy or Titus. I haven't got the time to do all the digging. This has just been turning in my spirit today. Either Timothy or Titus. I'm sorry, I can't remember which. And it might not even been one of those, but I think it was one of them. He penned these words. Paul said, make your calling and your election sure. 
make it sure. I believe it was Timothy that he said, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I believe with all of my heart. I'm going to go further than that. I know with all of my heart. I am speaking to a room full of called people. Called people. The Lord wants you to understand that about your life and your placement in the body of Christ. There is calling on you. If the enemy can ever get me to believe, you know what? I'm just somebody that comes and occupies space and I'm just trying to do what I can do so that by the grace of God, I can make heaven my home. I'll never walk in my calling There's not a one in this room that doesn't have calling of God on your life. We just have to move into that by the grace of God. And if you're here and you're saying, Brother Hart, but I don't even know what that is, then I would wait on him and say, God, reveal it to me day by day. Reveal it to me day by day, day by day. Many of you, your calling is on your job. It's on your job. You're interacting with people every day. and God has put you there. God gave you that job all in one day for a purpose. I believe that. He does these things with purpose. It's his calling. Amen. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, you it is that have called. It is our desire to live and walk daily in the calling of God. It's nothing we can produce, but according to your word, your grace working in us will give utterance, will give knowledge. I pray, Holy One, let the Spirit of the Lord... Let it quicken in our lives. Let it bring revelation and understanding of individual calling and collective calling as a body. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Remove blindness from our eyes. Remove blindness from our mind where the adversary would plant doubt or question. And let the clarity of the call of God speak in each heart and each life. In the name of Jesus, I pray on the job, in families, in the home, wherever you would take us, however you would use us. I pray a sensitivity daily to the calling of God, recognizing you've chosen the foolish, you've chosen the weak, you've chosen what's despised to fulfill your purpose so that all glory would come to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus. 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 We trust in you, Father. We trust in your calling. We trust in your calling. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There are things and callings of God on our lives that aren't on someone else's. Why is that? Because God knows your design. He designed you. And the moment I start comparing and try to go, well, how come I can't do that? Or why don't I? I want to do that. If I'm not careful, I'm trying to fulfill something I'm not called to do. And that's frustrating. That's frustrating. Would you, by the grace of God, would you purpose When you start each day, would you purpose in your place of prayer at the beginning of your day to say, Lord, by your grace today, I will walk in your calling on my life. I promise you, if you and I will do that honestly before God and yield to him, I promise you, he'll begin to manifest his calling through your life. The word can't lie. And the word said he'd enrich us with utterance and knowledge. And that he's faithful. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Greet somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.